The opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. This is the Anime Roundtable Canada presented by Anime North. You can contact us via email animeroundtable at gmail.com, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Anime Roundtable, and on the web, animeroundtable.com. Good Lord, it's been a month. On the Sunday afternoon, April 23rd, 2023. Yeah, it's been a month since we've last recorded. We're way behind on our quota for for the month of April. So happy April, guys. It's a full table, uh, full table this month. I can't believe I'm saying this month. So full table this month, Mike Nicholas here at Six Points, James Austin, Muhammad Shamarki, Kevin Ng, Amy Lynn Gregg. There's a lot to talk about on the plate. I know we won't be able to get through it. I was about to say, where do you want to start? But we just before we hit the record button, I kind of charted a course. Anyway, just to just to be um, facetious. Anyway, where do you want to start? I mean, I, I heard that there was this movie that came out, like based on a, a video game character of some kind. That we could start. I we're going to make sure everyone did their taxes, right? Well, that was like okay, tax season here. I know tax season just ended in the states. We're in- we we are an anime podcast, not know, a financial literacy podcast. We have to give the excuses as to why we haven't done anything in the last month, and we're gonna try and make it all up within the next couple days. Not to say that financial literacy isn't important because it is. Oh no, but I digress. Okay. Well, given that, I would say the movies we're talking about made quite a lot of money. So I'd say people are definitely going to the movies again. Where do you want to go, Super Mario or Suzume? I was thinking of talking about. Uh, Mo had mentioned he went to see it. Now I haven't seen it, but as they say, uh, many people have said it's a ninety-minute advertisement, and that it is maybe a mid-tier. Uh, isekai movie about uh two italian american brothers oh, from okay. brooklyn i was about to say oh. until you got to the line about two italian american brothers i was about to say which movie are you talking about because <laughs> because right up until then you could have put up an argument for both movies that we i just mentioned to some degree okay let's go with super mario brothers but uh Interesting enough. What did you think, uh, Mo? Does it make you want to buy some Mario games or does it make you want to go to Universal uh, Hollywood to uh, enjoy the Mario uh, attraction there? Or maybe I mean, even hire uh, some plumbers that uh, are known as the Mario Brothers? I mean, I, I, I will say this. It's a nice trailer for the next 86 movies they're going to make. 
And the real question is, which had more plot, the Mario Brothers movie or Cocaine Bear? Oh, that's tough. That's tough. I mean, Cocaine Bear did have a bear, so I don't know. <laughs> okay. Just remember, when you see a bear, go the other way. Or, or play dead. I, I will say for for the Mario movie, it was uh it was nice. It was very colorful, very s- simplistic plot. Uh, but you know it does that thing where like it tugs at your heartstrings in the right spots. You know, I, I don't want to say the most like, Easter you, eggs of any movie. Like, did you lose count of the Easter eggs, Mo, or anyone who? I, I don't. It? I don't think. I think you have to watch the movie at least a hundred times to count all the Easter eggs. There's so many Easter eggs. Are you when you said tugs at the heartstrings? Are you being sarcastic? I mean, I don't want to spoil the movie, but there is a scene at the end where something does happen where you're like, oh, man, that's nice. And then, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but the most of the movie, his brother Luigi is missing or quote unquote kidnapped by Bowser. Oh, yeah. well, that's hinted in the trailer, I believe, too. Well, right? Yeah, then it ends with them reuniting at the end. It's very nice and heartwarming and so forth. OK, OK. Um, cool. But, uh, but oh. I, I do feel like Luigi's storyline was kind of shortcut. But hey, that's why they're going to make a million other movies of this. This is the MO for Luigi throughout the entire history of the Mario Brothers. Where is the, where's the Luigi love? Where was the uh, Wario or Waluigi love? Uh, well, that's something else altogether, though. Nintendo tried to make a year of Luigi. We do remember that. That was during the Wii U, though. Remember, Amy? Remember <laughs> the Wii U? Wants to remember. There's, there's a lot of things about the, well, maybe that that's just uh, collateral damage in a rather forgetful uh, generation of consoles but, uh, for Nintendo. But I guess it sounds like, and I talk to people uh, that are not gaming fans, but they seem to enjoy the movie, and it was like a popcorn movie for the Mario Brothers one. But I think it got the response Nintendo wanted, because after... The first Super Mario Brothers movie, the live action in 93, it's like they did not want to do anything. If they were going to do it, they were going to do it their way or the highway. And they made the deal with Universal for the parks and for this. And you could see the oversight probably was there with Miyamoto because it was kind of how they would maybe construct the game too, I guess. So this is a to be fair line of thinking, to be fair to Nintendo. Yeah, we'll see what they do with the others. But About the whole thing. I think if they have to go into some other franchises, like I think if they do a Zelda movie or a Zelda series or whatever you want to call it, there would be more plot line there than some of their other series, I think. But it depends on if they want to work with uh, the company, right? Because they're known to be cagey. Nintendo? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, with Gary... Other news in terms of Nintendo, Gary Bowser got uh, released from prison this week. I think it was this week. And he's hinted that he still has to pay the fine. Well, he's paying for the rest of his life. Yeah. So he's going to get yeah. garnished. And, and, the they got, and Nintendo did get an agreement for garnishment of whatever earnings he makes. I think it's at least 30%. If memory serves. As they, as they say, uh, Mike, the Nintendo ninjas are real. They're just in lawyer suits. So it's a good camouflage. I'll say that much. Okay, who has seen the Mario movie aside from Mo? I haven't. James says he has no interest. Or he seen. I it. think the trailer basically gave me what I needed to know and stuff like that. And we heard a few wahoos uh, out of the Mario screening when we went to another movie. Okay. Yes. Well, the other Easy guy. I get that. Kevin, Amy. I haven't seen it yet. 
Uh, I do want to, but I don't know if I'll prioritize watching it. Okay. I feel like home video or streaming is where I'm going to go and see it at some point. Well, we don't get Peacock in Canada. Well, not streaming, but you know what I mean, like uh, digital rental. I know. Well, well, oh, you you actually digital rent? We're gonna we're gonna go at length about this type of stuff. Uh, Mike, I, I think you you didn't see the giant air quotes you put around digital renting. Well, we're not we're not uh, we're we none of us turned on our cameras for this episode, so <laughs> I can only uh, so I can only guess. I mean, somebody's uh, maybe I'm giving the middle finger for to somebody here, or maybe all four of you, and for all you know. So, but I know we'll talk at length about 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 physical stuff later on. Oh God, that didn't sound right. I'm sorry. The Mario movie was pretty bad. Like you saw it, um, you saw it yeah, yeah. It's it's not a good movie. Um, it's it's beautiful. <laughs> like it's it's the best visually that Illumination has ever done. The animation is great. You know, references were fantastic. Um, you know, voice acting was pretty good. Like all the, you know, doom saying about Chris Pratt. I mean, he was fine. Um, Kamek was great um, side character, but um, the only voice actor um, and a very, you know, fun character in the movie. Um, the, you know, famous song was was good that Jack Black's uh, Bowser sings, but it's cut up in a weird way where both the um, in plot version and the sort of um you know version at the end feel like incomplete songs that don't really blend together very well um it is cool that he wrote it though it's not a overly complicated piece or anything but um it's neat to have that jack black um music flair in there um i described it as going to see a um you know mario um orchestral remix um presentation and then there were some visuals there um at the same time because you know to say the plot wasn't very good is to imply that there was a plot um, <laughs> okay I, I somehow I, I saw that one coming right down so, Dundas. so in there, essence oops sorry there's less. i was just gonna no, there's there's it's I, I don't know if this was ended up being a joke or not, but I saw some like if, whether it was real or not. There was some interview with one of the writers saying that he had watched a bunch of Mario speedruns and wanted to integrate that part of the franchise into the film. And, you know, it's like that's that's yeah. true. Like it is it felt like the movie was on two times speed and then they just pitch lowered all the voice actors. So they sounded normal. Um, I, I was about to say the trailer, like you on the topic of speed runs at times, well, whatever, what I remember of the trailer almost felt that way because it makes sense constant motion, games and stuff, right? Sorry. Yeah, I mean, like, all the uh, references and, and things are fun, um, but, like, it's not just that, oh, if you blink and you'll miss a reference to, you know, so-and-so background item. It's, um, and this is, you know, the minorest of, of spoilers if you haven't seen the trailer. If you have seen the trailer, you've seen, you know, these characters all in there. Um, again, they go fast in the trailer. It's not that much better if not worse in the movie um but you know there's a moment in the movie where donkey kong shows up everyone's happy that donkey kong's there people are cheering for donkey kong in a very fun video game referential way and then 
you know, uh, Cranky Kong says, okay, everyone settle down, settle down. <clears throat> and they still say, and, you know, they're still chanting. And then Cranky says, like, you too, Diddy Kong. And it cuts to Diddy Kong and some other, you know, established Kongs. And literally, if you blink, you will have missed that cameo. And it's so weird because they put effort into Diddy and Dixie and um, I think it's Chunky, um, you know, their designs. So they put effort into this, but it literally lasts for a second. And I don't think I'm exaggerating. Like you barely see the emotion of Diddy go from like, yay, Donkey Kong to, oh, Cranky told me to shut up. Like it is ridiculous how fast this movie, you know, plays um, and it needed, you know, just a little bit of breathing room. Um, there is one really, like, there are good, you know, I enjoyed myself. I will say that. Like, you know, I said it's a bad movie. I will definitely stick to that. I still, you know, I liked going to see it. Like, I had fun. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying um, it's not worth seeing. It's just not, oh, it's not a good movie, um, like what you were all saying at the beginning about, um, you know, Super Nintendo Land, like, yes, it looks beautiful. The vistas are cool. But when they go into the Mushroom Kingdom, it is literally designed like the theme park, like even like the weird squareness, like it's almost looking like, you know, they're they're trying to hide um, Jurassic Park and, and Hogwarts in the distance because of how the... Um, you know, buildings are set up in this, you know, weird, bizarre way that seems to have people, you know, because you can have parents so, who don't know anything about Mario. So if they see this movie and then they go see the, the Super Nintendo Land, it will seem familiar because it looks more like the theme park than it does any of the games. Well, so I think I they're think, trying to tie it all together, right? I, 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 I think you're about, I, I think that just at full circles, James's first comment, it's an advertisement for. I think we can just have the debate on what's it an advertisement for? Is it for the games or is it for the theme park? It's for the franchise. Like I feel like I feel like Nintendo, as we said, after that one movie in '93, they kind of stopped. But then I think it started with uh, Satoru Iwata and stuff like that. They they have this great IP, and it's like, how do we expand it? And now we're starting to see that and stuff like that. But they go the very safe route and stuff like that. It is, and is that you know, any better, Amy? As far as other movies go, it's interesting. Like there are lots of fun cameos, um, or references, whatever you want to call them, in this movie to other Nintendo franchises. Um, you know, surprising ones. Um, ones that, um, you know, some Nintendo franchises are seemingly video games within this universe, and others are part of the real world. So it's really sort of interesting. Um, if you go by, um, you know, it's impossible to really tell what um, movie they'll try next. I mean, people are saying, you know, Zelda just because it's the next, um, you know, big one that at least in North America, people would know. Um, if they want to stick with Illumination, I think their only other option aside from Mario spinoffs, so you can go Donkey Kong. Um, you can go Yoshi, you can go Wario with Illumination, I think no problem. But if they want to expand outside of that um, with the same studio, I think they pretty much only have Pikmin as an option and maybe Animal Crossing if they want everyone to cry. Um, what about uh, like Kirby they, as well? You could do Kirby uh, animation since we've had many of those before. 
I'm not sure if there's Kirby would be tricky with illumination. Um, I don't. I don't. They could do a Starbucks, but I know I that if say. they were doing live action, I would say Zelda and Metroid are probably your I live action franchises. Say. I, I was about to say, I, I think we already know the, I, I know your answers to this. What, what's more likely, Zelda or Kid Icarus? I mean, Metroid or Kid Icarus? <laughs> Kid Icarus, wow. After Icarus is a, it's, it's an almost open slate. It's an almost clear slate. But the thing it's, is, it came, You know what? We should wait, 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 do Urban I, Champion. Urban Champion's the next movie, Mike. Awesome. Urban Champion. That would, be, that would be a good fight movie. That, like, Mike, that would be a good... You saying that Kid Icarus is an open slate is just admitting that you haven't played the 3DS game Kid Icarus Uprising. (laughs) Um, Because there is so much lore and characters in that game. You could make an entire anime series. There's an entire weird superhero plot line. There's um, They had the shorts too, remember Amy? Yeah, those were amazing as far as potential, but they're not going to do it in a North American way. Because I I played Kid Icarus as a kid. Kid Icarus and Metroid, remember, the first games in those series came out at around the same time in the early to mid-80s on the original. Crossover developers, too. Yeah, yeah. It's just, so I, I I have trouble thinking of Metroid without Kid Icarus myself, right? I never, I couldn't get into Metroid, but Kid Icarus frustrated the hell out of me at the time, and you can imagine what that was like as a as a kid, just discovering so, video games. So, so, quick question: uh, It's actually two questions. One, you think this movie is going to make more than a billion dollars? And two, uh, do you think we'll get a Super Smash Bros. movie before we die? Smash Brothers isn't going to happen in a way that will make anyone happy. Because of um, maybe all the IPs they'd have to figure yeah, out, too. Because there's a lot of like, outside IPs. Just the story, and, and, too, as well. Like, And not even, you know, because, um, you know, Masahiro Sakurai is, has mentioned that it's not just the third-party characters that cause um, issues with IP rights um, when it comes to Nintendo. Um, because if you, you know, stick with um, the ones that sort of Nintendo owns wholly, um, you're going to be stick, stuck with like the Mario that I mentioned. Um, I think it is, um, so Mario and extension Donkey Kong Yoshi, um, as well as Star Fox, um, Zelda, um, Metroid, but there, that would be tricky. Um, I mentioned Star Fox, um, Pikmin, Animal Crossing, and Splatoon. Um, so it's basically not, you're not going to have, sorry? Put some, you can put some Earthbound in there, you know? No, Earthbound through. is um, Creatures and Ape Incorporated, plus Itoy oh, has right, some right. rights. Um, Fire Emblem um, is, um, what's the company? Um, Intelligent Intelligent Systems? Systems or? Um, yeah, so Wario, um, any of the WarioWare games, so you'd only be able to have sort of classic Wario. Um, Pokemon would never, or, you know, you take a lot of money, but um, Pokemon, Pokemon company, yes. Kirby is how laboratories. Um, so like a lot of things that like, you know, are under the Nintendo umbrella wouldn't be super easy, especially for um this. And also if you're gonna use Illumination, you know, I don't want to see Illumination Samus. Um Oh boy. Okay. Or Captain see, Falcon, like that'd be weird. I was about to say well, as this uh, conversation this part of the conversation went. I was thinking, what's more, 
I'd put more stock in seeing a Shonen Jump universe as opposed to a uh, Smash Brothers movie at this point, and it, which, uh, which is like 0.1% to 0%. Okay, well, where does uh, where does the box office money stand for uh, for the Super Mario Brothers movie on on the billion dollar question? I think they said they are going to cross it for like international they- and domestic. So everything altogether, they probably will cross the billion dollar mark, and it'll be their biggest movie in quite a long time because they kept on talking about right for the longest time. Will we get to pre pandemic? And it's probably the closest we're going to get is this movie. Wait, and then we'll t- see how the did top, how did Top Gun do? It did quite well, but I don't think it Billion the half, trajectory got as close as they wanted. So, like it did fine, it did good. It's just not that. Did really good, yeah. So. Okay. But I think the other thing that helps Mario is it's a family movie, right? So anyone can go and see it. It's just like Shigeru Miyamoto says for the games. It's like you can be zero to a hundred or even older, and everyone can enjoy the movie, the games, or whatever, right? Yeah, and, it, and, 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 and it, it's international. And so it's also a short movie. It's ninety minutes. I think it's so, was it seventy or ninety? I couldn't remember. Or it's it's very short. You can run it like you know so many times um, in a theater, and it's going to help them. You know, because so you don't you don't get charged less um, for it. Oh ticket. yeah, okay. I, I think I know where you're going. You can like in a given day, you can run a movie maybe three times. Most movies, let's say three, but you can run this four or five, right? No, yeah, they had a lot of showings when we were looking at the yeah, we were, it did, that, it did. So. Oh, and and uh, and I know Mario Brothers made some news culturally this week. Since you kind of hinted at it, sort of, Amy, you said the music is iconic. Well, the Super Mario Brothers theme this week was put into the library, the U.S. Library of Congress archive, audio archive this week. So. On the topic of okay, this is approachable for approachable and accessible for a lot of people and relatable. And I'm just uh, I'm just uh, googling it now. It's kind of interesting when you think about it too, given how old that is, and Koji Kondo, all the stuff he's done, and all these other different musicians doing video game music, and thinking. Yeah, that would have made sense to be the first, but it's taken this long, right? Yeah, so the, yeah, first, uh, first video game tune to enter the Library of Congress. It was, uh, it was last week on the twelfth that, that that announcement was made. So, just for reference, how iconic the franchise is, right? It's it, it kind of it can, in many respects, transcend just just video games. Okay. Well, do you want to talk about the other isekai just for briefly? Do we want well, to talk? I'm not sure it was really an isekai. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm saying that facetiously. But what it was not. Hmm? Okay, so. But what we can't say, I think we're talking about Susan A, but don't worry, Amy, we won't say anything. But all we can say is if you've watched the previous two Makoto Shinkai movies, you probably have an idea of what you're getting into. And. It was interesting that I think Kevin said uh, he went, uh, we, a few of us went and watched the regular viewing. He said he got to have the D-Box experience, which I guess you get to feel the movie. And I can't help but think of uh, the McDonald's with kids in the backseat of the car, how that feels in a D-Box moment. That uh, didn't have any rumblings. 
It should have had some rumblings like us kicking the back of your chair or something like that. Where did you where where did you feel it, Kevin? Well, I would say that it definitely moved a lot. Uh, There was plenty of moments where the chair rocked back and forth or shook or kind of tilted to one side to another, depending on certain camera angles or if the character was looking a certain way. would I would I have paid for D box? No, but I didn't pay for that D box ticket, so it was it was an added experience for sure. Okay, so just uh, some what's the word disclosure? Myself, James, uh, Kevin, we all went to see it on Friday, just the regular version. Yes, this would have been two Fridays ago as of this recording. And then so yes, I guess uh, that would my be second the, time was yesterday as of this recording. I guess that would be the premiere date because they said the first yeah, it was, was, it was, it was on the Yeah, it was on the 14th, I believe. We went to see it on the 14th. So it came and then out. It, and then Tiff Ball Lightbox had it on the 13th. Yeah, they had the pre. Uh, like, yeah, there were some uh, preview ones at yeah, preview the show. theaters. Mo has seen the IMAX version. If Does IMAX that. make any difference, Mo? Like Kevin said, he didn't think it would make a difference. Because James might be jealous. James might be jealous that you went to see the IMAX version. He was going to go it, see the IMAX version. It, it did make a difference. Uh, you guys obviously know it's very, very beautiful, very scenic. Uh, you know, those extra, that extra large screen really does help bring it all together. Um, yeah, IMAX screening was pretty great. Although I will be honest, like I have a thing about IMAX screenings where like, Theaters will say they have IMAX, but I don't really think those were IMAX. Like the one at Weston, Winston Churchill, that, that's not an IMAX. That's like a fake IMAX. The one yeah, I it's not true IMAX. So I, what you're saying is if I had went there, I would not get the experience. Yeah, I, I also saw a fake IMAX screening. So it's all it's all it's all relative, right? But yeah, the true IMAX screenings are at Scotiabank and like Vaughn and a couple other places. But yeah, it's it's and, still good. Yeah, it's still nice. In the science yeah. center. Exactly. Well, science yeah, well, actually, that's the center that. and then nice. um Ontario, Ontario place, place until until they uh, until they uh, yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah, fuck you, Doug. I was so. Uh, is it? Uh, so you jealous now, James? Nah, I I think we still got a great experience, and it'll be nice uh, when it comes out physically and stuff like that to have it in the collection. I think it was a nice movie to watch. It's like we, we may have our feelings about that. And as I look at now, it, it was uh, quite successful in North America. They're at seven million two hundred thirty-seven thousand and three hundred forty-three dollars, and probably climbing and other markets it's been number one in breaking records like in korea and other places i've heard so now we know why mcdonald's and lawson want to continue to be in uh, shinkai's movies and stuff like that and we have to talk relative and it has to be a relative and we're talking relatively right so it's like 150 million internationally about eight and a half million domestically it's a it's it's a big hit man and it's across many markets some of them that don't have as much access to anime i think there was a story I was reading. It was in regards to India, right? And they hadn't really had any theater anime screenings and stuff like that. And the first one they had, and they supposedly like did a campaign, like a writing campaign, I guess, to their theaters or whatever, to have Weathering With You put in theaters. And they had that happen and people turned out. And it was the biggest, uh, I guess, anime event there in India in a long time. So it made them, I guess, think about bringing others over, which is incredible. And spreading it, I guess, even more across the world into hey, it's uh, other places that it hadn't been in, right? 
You sometimes remember what we said, uh, what we say about Japanese pop culture. Sometimes you don't always need to, I was about to say it almost markets itself in some respects. It certainly has a head start. Other, uh, other Asian, Asian pop cultures have to go to a little bit more effort to promote. But and it was Japanese interesting in my doesn't mind too, though, Mike, if we were to say a creator, right, across uh, different parts of the world where we think it's jumpstart stuff, I would think we would say uh, Heyo Miyazaki, right, and Studio Ghibli and stuff like that. But it's interesting that other creators are still continuing that trend and stuff like that. Well, and I guess Shinkai, it's prevalence to, I guess, you know Makoto Shinkai, right? Yeah, so and I'm you know we're about to say what we'll, we'll say about Shinkai in that respect, right? He's he's in that level. He's in a, in that level, or at least in that same same uh, same stratosphere. But he's definitely has a good marriage with these last three films of the commercial and the artistic, and bringing them together. And especially seeing the sponsors wanting to come uh, to him, I just wish the next movie finds a way maybe to jump out of that comfort zone and bring something different on the artistic level you know i mean the creative yes. level but we'll see. we'll see we've been saying this since five centimeters per second and the man has not changed well and i'm not holding my breath i i would say the same as well it's like i'm just saying it it is what and, it is right? you know yes i would love it for him to change i don't expect it i don't I do yeah, think it's just okay give me I your do thought think then. this film was a little better than Weathering With You. Uh, about the same as your name. So I think this was a pretty good uh, conclusion to the Disaster Trilogy, as I like to call it. But yeah, I would like to see something different as well. Uh, I still think Five Centimeters Per Second is his best film as a whole. I also still think Your Name is slightly better just because I felt like it had more impact because it was the first time as you were saying that the whole package was put together from all his previous experiences I okay first of all um let's let me backtrack to uh, take a step back because we don't want to do too many spoilers right now especially since Amy hasn't seen it uh, Amy do you intend to see it in theaters yeah or do you um not sure about in theaters, but I will. But you do, my do intend to see it whenever it, it, the chance comes. Uh, disclosure is I, I know that I think we'll meet quota because uh, this month because we're going to talk more length, at length about it in a separate separate recording in a separate episode. We hope to do within the next the coming week. We'll probably do a space heater chat to talk a, a lot more at length about about Suzume, some things that happen in the plots. And then maybe where, where what it means later on for Makoto Shinkai, uh, the whole Makoto Shinkai discussion. So I, I I don't want to get too far into this discussion right now, Kevin. I'm I'm sorry. It's just no. We you told us beforehand we weren't going to spoil anything, so there's no need to apologize. I wasn't going to say much more. Yeah, beyond that. It, but I I know I know where you were going, and I really want to dig into that again because because you know how I love to repeat some of these discussions but add a little another layer from recent experience and that's what i want to do here when we are able to talk more at length about it right it's 
Because, yeah, there's a lot of things that came into my head. I, I, I mean, to me, Five Centimeters is still very, a very important movie in, in when, you, when you look at um, Makoto Shinkai's filmography. I think you know where I'm about, where I would go with that. The, disa- the trilogy that just happened, the disaster trilogy you just referred to, Kevin. I agree with, uh, I'll agree with some of the terminology you just used there, but it's, I still find it, uh, there's a little, a couple of little tweaks that I think will ultimately make the terming problematic. So I, I, I kind of want to go there in a, in a couple days, et cetera, right? I mean, for my part, I thought it was, like, it was worth going to. It was lush. I think visually it might be one of the more more stunning move, uh, Makoto Shinkai movies I've seen. And that's saying something. No, I had some great set pieces there was, there, stuff like yeah, that. There were some great visuals. It was so lush. Breathtaking. It was. And right. and I guess I'd appreciate it more in true IMAX. Also... It, I, I saw it I saw it dubbed, not subbed, and yeah. I, I really appreciated watching it uh dubbed. The 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 quote unquote background characters were fantastic. I, I liked uh everyone had personality and characters and just overall it was an amazing, amazing voice performance. I would have to and that, maybe yeah, if I watch it a second time, I would want to watch a dub. So yeah. that's good to hear, uh Mo, since I know they didn't do it uh, in Dallas for this one. Supposedly they went to Bang Zoom in LA to do the dub for this and they've done some Makoto Shinkai in the past, but that's good to hear. They were able to put forward a a great dub for this. Okay. So to the listeners out there, both of you, or the dozen of you out there, I guess, by the way, thanks for the downloads, uh, Kevin. We'll talk about it a little later this week. I think, uh, Kevin Mo for sure. He, uh, will, uh, will sit around for that. I think, uh, and I know, depending on how busy we all are for to do that. So just a thought, obviously it's an endorsement for all of us. It's always an endorsement to watch it. Uh, I think we endorse uh, the chance to watch any anime though, in, in theaters, whether, uh, whether or not it's good or bad is almost irrelevant because if it's, if we're saying it's, if it's bad, it's sometimes like wanting to watch a NASCAR crash. And it's still a lot. It could be fun in that sense. I guess it's interesting too, Mike, this uh, movie for Susan A, when we saw the Crunchyroll logo, but we also saw a Sony logo. So just like um, the Dragon Ball uh, Super movie and and the um, One Piece movie and stuff like that, it was great that, and obviously Shinkai would be one they would consider, but give it a wider release instead yeah, of giving it, it just um, it was a special showing. You know what I mean? Where they yeah, just did two days. I think putting like, as I said, we will, we'll, and I'm glad you mentioned the Sony logo. It's, I, I wish we can go a little further on it, but, but the, but its significance wasn't lost on me putting in that, that, that Sony logo and hearing that clink that you hear when you see the Sony logo these days. That wasn't lost on me. For uh, but now we're gonna talk about Sony in a for better or worse scenario in a few seconds, right? But uh, to the listeners out there, uh, we hope you look forward to the that space heater chat. Assuming we're able to make time for it, and uh, as I said, since it's been a month since we've uh, done a done an episode of any sort, well, I'm really hoping we can do this one uh, within the 
within the next couple of days and uh, get our April quota out of the way. Okay, let's uh, let's uh, let's uh, go. Let's uh, switch gears for a couple seconds. Um, lots of stuff has always admittedly happened over the last month since we haven't uh, since we were last on the air, and for obvious reasons, it goes without saying we're not going to go through all of it. We're not going to. I'm not even sure we'll be able to make a dent in it. But as always, there are a few things that will catch our attention. And we'll talk about a few of those right now before we finish up this evening after about a little more than 35 minutes into the episode. Okay, Polygon. Where do... uh, James uh, got my attention, and I think... I think... uh, I, the reason I why I brought that article to you, Mike, is brought up Sony at the end of that Suzume conversations. I think it's perfect, perfect tie-in. Now, go ahead. Now, the reason I brought that article is so it was a Polygon article, and it was talking about anime home video is thriving even in the streaming era. And the reason that it was a buy the books article, but the reason it caught my attention is because of the most recent. Crunchyroll solicitation for July and their lack of solicitations since they've been bought out and stuff like that. So in the article from Polygon, they talk about, and obviously compared to Hollywood and stuff like that, because they, in Hollywood, a lot of the releases, they've been focusing more on streaming, not as much home video. And so they talk about how the collector's market for anime and stuff like that has had a really good uh, track record in that it's been having traction of people actually buying physical media and stuff like that. And they talked to Sean Kleckner at Right Stuff. They talked to um, Justin Savakis and also Mark Levy, who uh, work on discotheque releases and anime limited releases. And how basically, I think, as Kleckner would like to say, treats home video products as a collectible and not a consumable, right? like streaming is and stuff like that. And so it's like, that's true. It's like discotheque has been providing great releases. So is anime limited. And we've seen people show up to get those and stuff like that from right stuff or wherever. But then we talked about before, right? With Crunchyroll and how I guess this merger between them and Funimation will shake out for Sony. And it feels like it's going the opposite direction of this article because July solicitation, I can tell you, is only five titles and two of them are one piece. So we have Obey Me Anime uh, Season 2, One Piece Season 13, One Piece Film Red, The Ancient Magus Bride, uh, one of the OVAs, and then The Devil is a Part-Timer Season 2. The other thing you'll notice, all five of them are continuing series and stuff like that. So it's interesting that even if you get a dub on streaming and they have a lot of titles now that they are the main dog, as we know, and they have most of the titles. It's like, it's like a trickle. It's almost like the Nintendo drip feed of physical media for them and stuff like that. So it's kind of like, well, what's going to happen with those? We have talked before where sometimes they are letting some titles out to other people. We talked about New York NYC where anime limited said they were going to allow some titles basically to come over uh, from them. And I think Tony Kawa was one of them and A Place Promised was another one they were going to do. 
Discotech has done some Crunchyroll stuff before, but not since the merger. And so even them allowing other people to take their stuff has been a trickle, which is kind of like, hmm, we'll have to see what this happens. So it feels like the article's a misnomer. And there are other things I talked about off air we'll talk about later that make you wonder because we need home video because on streaming, especially with Crunchyroll, as we've said before, they only give us the broadcast version. They've never updated home video like other sites. And the home video version can be that final version you need because sometimes they can make a lot of changes because those animators, as we know, are under a lot of stress to meet their deadlines for broadcasts. So, so yeah. It, and that's a lot to parse, you know what I mean? Into what yeah, I it, it is. It, it, it's I, like... I'm glad you tried to say you said all of it and put it all on the plate because it just and I'm glad we're going to have problems parsing all of that at once because it means we get to do another episode. Okay, the home video part. And just to put just to just to, you know, put some perspective into this. And I can only start anecdotal. Let me start anecdotally. Um, I, I, the only when you say when we talk about that, the only thing I can relate to, like that, just comes into my head was watching Rumbling Hearts, because I remember seeing, like way back, I remember watching the fan subs, which was a broadcast version. And then as the home video release came out, and Funimation originally had that. You could see some differences. And that, I mean, that was when the whole concept was first put in my head. And you may, and you realize this has been happening a lot. Again, okay, we're, so we're talking, I'm talking about a title between, uh, that was the better part of 15 years ago, probably closer to 20 now. And we've had uh, food so you from know this is- way back when too, Mike. Remember cabbages and melons? How those have been animated in the past? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's just one example. Can you think of an example off the top of your head, just from your own memories? But there's a, a lot. There's even one I think they said a few seasons ago with uh, Classroom of the Elite season two. Supposedly, the broadcast version was quite different from the home video, and it's still on the broadcast version on Crunchyroll. And as I said before, some of the more mature titles, right? A lot of them, they have the censored versions and we may never even see an uncensored version of a lot of those series for home video. And some of them have been dubbed before. Yeah, it's kind of sad how uh, they're not always adding the uncut versions after the fact anymore, which to be honest, I was slightly surprised they would. So like but, surprised if they ever added one or yeah because like because i know in japan that's their incentive for you to buy those expensive blu-rays whether in singles or sets and then yes as we as was alluded that sometimes they don't even have the time to do it cleanly anyway like in the world's and harem anime for example that's one. That's a more recent example, but like in the last what fit twenty years, this has been the case. Like I even remember when I was in high school, when I it took me one whole week 
to download the first season of Girls Bravo uncensored because I was using BitTorrent. Because the broadcast version was censored, but then on Wow Wow TV in Japan, they did play it uncensored. Yeah, well, and we've seen that with some of them too. But it's interesting, like when we first saw them come through, we saw them dub a few older series and stuff like that. I'm thinking of Laid Back Camp, but they've only dubbed the first season, second season, and the moving haven't been dubbed, and that looks like it's going to stay streaming and. As we said as well, I think a lot of those series, obviously, even the older ones on Crunchyroll, they're still trying to get some of the Funimation catalog on Crunchyroll. But I think a lot of those series will stay streaming, but that's never a given. That's another thing why you want that physical edition. And it could just be as simple as maybe someone didn't sign the right thing on the contract or something lapsed and they didn't realize they need to do something else to keep well, it on streaming, this- but it just disappears, right? You hinted it before. Some people say, uh, like, you'll have some rights holders saying, hey, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. The contract said Funimation. Funimation. Not Crunchyroll. Right? You've heard it. I think usually you would have terms in there to do a handover in case of mergers and stuff like that. But you never know. Weirder things have happened. Yeah, but yeah, we know that's uh, well, we've heard that's some of the hangups. It's like how ADV owns the dubs for some of their older properties because that was before contracts became as ironclad as they are now. Yeah, a lot of the '90s, as we know, they still hold a lot of the dub rights, as we know. But not the but not the title itself, if not the title, but the recording that they made for when they had that said title, right? So that's some of the some of this. Okay. That's why the ADV dub of Neon Genesis Evangelion is a feature on those nicer sets, but not the regular one. Mm-hmm. And so it's considered an Easter egg on the on that topic. Happy a belated Easter, by the way. But I guess the other thing you think of too is it's not just you have the broadcast version, but sometimes they're going so fast to subtitle and do some of these things. I know on the home video version that they have a thing. Sometimes they do additional translations and stuff like that. Well, this is, make sure yeah, everything is where up. it needs yeah. to be. And you may never actually get that. But as a lot of people said, they are so seasoned because we're now almost on the same schedule as the Japanese, right? For a lot of the world markets. It's like everyone's on Twitter talking about this season, then they forget about everything they watched last season and start talking about next season. And then, as I, as we said, so Right Stuff has been bought by Sony and stuff like that. And obviously, they'll still sell um, the discs and things like that. But the big thing, I think, is to complement their streaming that they're streaming now. So they're trying to sell all that merch and probably even the manga and stuff like that. Like this week, they're having a simulcast weekly sale and they do a lot of that for each season to try, I guess, drum up the support, right? And saying the here and now. And that's why we ever say, we always say, is there going to be any evergreens ever again? Because everyone's just going one to the next to the next, rinse and repeat. Yeah. That, okay. as, they, as Sean Kleitner said, consumable versus... Uh, versus collectible, right? Yep. Like a, just some quick alliteration to summarize maybe some of the 
some of the dilemma within our fandom now. So, and and, and just going back for a couple seconds, just going back for a, a little bit, you just hit an interesting point that in like the whole, well, okay, not necessarily censored, but a not so great broadcast version. It's a product, but it's not necessarily, doesn't necessarily come out that way rough translations, rough animation. It isn't that way necessarily to try and like in and of itself to screw people and force people to want to buy a a home video release, which may or may not exist or come out, which will have something more polished, something more better translated. It's just the nature of us, of people wanting to see it right away, of meeting deadlines. But when even after you finish a job, what could you have done differently? And a lot of artists, a lot of animators, they'll they they may they have that chance sometimes to go back and say, okay, here's what I would have done differently. Here's how I would have improved this. Here's how what here's the term I would have used in this set in this translation to get my point across better to people. There are actually a few other points I think about and one of it is like I'm watching the streaming and stuff like that and obviously the opening and ending credits are usually always in Japanese and stuff like that and even if say we're watching dubs down I know Amy loves to watch her dubs as well too is we don't know a lot of the cast unless we're going to the anime news network encyclopedia or we're looking at what they announce for the cast and even for the dubs sometimes they only announce the first few episodes we don't know sometimes who those later people are in later episodes for a dub unless we go to voice actors twitters and stuff like that like i feel there's got to be a better way for them to actually do a thing after an episode or something like that to give credit where it's due for each language so that we know the japanese creation team and whoever the localization creation team because that they have the money they should be able to do that and we've seen them start to make changes like i noticed this week on the app i was using on my sony bravia finally they got rid of, rid of all the things you know how we would have separate things this is english subtitles for this series this is the english dub this is the subtitle for this language this is the dub for this language they put it all into one and whatever i chose as my language that's what it goes to so i'm jing in Japanese with English subtitles, that's why I go to. But when I start up the episode, I can change it to a dub if I want. On the fly? It took so long to like, finally I mean, do it. And I'm not fly. sure if that's on every app. That's the problem. I mean, we're talking on the fly. Yeah, on the fly. Because, because when, you, when I see uh, something listed on Crunchyroll, they're listed as separate, quote unquote, seasons. Correct. And that's what it's I've seen the, for the longest time. And on the Sony Bravia app, the one I have for the Google Android one, it looks like they've changed it up and they got rid of that. And now we can do it on the fly, it looks like, which is so a little one thing we've been waiting for for a long it, time, it, right? It, it's something that, like, it, that's sort of a back to the future type thing because we were able to do that in the past. Yeah, with Funimation and with High Dive and other services. So I don't know why it took them so long, right? DVDs too. And, and with DVDs and disc media. This isn't. Oh, I know you. I know you've spouted your frustrations with uh, with with Crunchyroll streaming in the past, James. But I, yeah. 
but I had some odd glitches this week with them too, which is hilarious. It's like well, I was going from one episode to the next, and then it still had the next episode for the next one over. So I had to go to the what I was watching and click on it so it would go to to full screen, which was a weird glitch. Okay, but they definitely have a lot to think about. But they definitely feels like for this merger and that to make Sony feel because they paid a ridiculous amount of money that I don't think they were even worth. Like, I don't think it was even worth it, but they're trying to justify that price tag. And I think it's like everything else streaming is the thing. So they want all those eyeballs right on the streaming and stuff like that. And they think anything else could hurt them and stuff like that, whether it be home video, whether it be the download, um, Remember, they used to do download codes with the home video. They aren't even doing those anymore. They have allowed what I've noticed is digital to own, right, on Amazon and a few other places. And they're doing that like almost a few weeks after they've released the episodes on streaming on Crunchyroll, which is interesting. And I think that would still run into the same problem because they're still using just the broadcast version and stuff like that. Yeah, we can. And I, I don't we, think they would update to the home video for those at all, which it feels like another middle finger to the consumer. Well, so we always talk. Okay, let's go back to the whole where Sony is and how they're ruling the anime world, quote unquote. Coming back to the whole right stuff bit. Can we adjust what we think their motivations were? Because because I said uh, I said pre-show uh, before we hit the record button. Well, this is to cover the things they don't already really run. By taking on the retail, by taking on the single biggest retailer, they're not really in the publishing side, but the the taking on the single biggest retailer handles the distribution of said publishing side. They're not really in the into manga. They don't really do. Other merchandise. But it kind of fits covers into that pillar, as we said, right? Yeah, it covers what they don't ha- already have in that, in in the media mix, right? It, and it put, they know it, a it, lot at of... At the very least, it's, it's, a, it's the proverbial toe in the toe in the water. Or testing, you know, dipping their toes in the, in the pool, right? And whether they have given other, per, like, if they had those rights and gave them to another party, or as they say, it's the manga side and the publisher has given it to another rights holder, they can use that, as we said, to promote what they already have on their platform. The, like, the, like said sale you mentioned a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. So it's actually interesting when I was looking at the article too, they talk about, and it's obviously... Mark Levy and Justin Savickas about discotech and stuff like that. And it can also affect other publishers of the boutique market. Like I think of TMS and Lupin and stuff like that, where they tried to get it out. And as discotech always says, they always go over all their subtitles again and give it the spit and polish, which is always nice to have on the home video and stuff like that. And then looking at the video itself, right? And they talked about it with even stuff like just regular cartoons, like Digimon, uh, Digital Monsters, talking about the dub, the Saturday morning cartoon version that they released and said, yeah, it's been done before, but it was kind of thrown onto the discs and thrown out, but they gave it that extra spit and polish on the visuals 
and uh, what was on the disc to give people something they probably probably what they envisioned in their heads when they watched it on a tube TV, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's fun to it's a fascinating story to watch, but maybe uh, at its point, pretty frustrating too. So. I know I have to I I read I've skimmed the Polygon article. I want to I didn't have time to do a a longer read of this, but it's just it's interesting because like we came from the collector side, like all all of us come from an era where we look at. Uh, are, is it safe to say that anime has become consumable instead of collectible? Is it safe to say that's the approach fan, uh, our fandom takes now? Or at least it, uh, certainly the younger fandom? So I feel... I would if, say... If so if, if we're to do that, it's maybe some people like us should feel a little conflicted about it. We understand, but that doesn't mean you're not conflicted. I feel like what a lot of people have said is the anime side it's become very consumable and stuff like that. But then they see that maybe on stream or whatever, and then they go to the manga side and a lot of them do want to collect that physical manga and stuff like that, or they want a piece of it. So they want to go to the merchandise side and maybe they want to get a figure t-shirt or some sort of merch physical and stuff like that. And that's where a lot of, a lot of it has gone now compared to just collecting the actual anime itself. So it comes back down. So maybe it just comes back down to the repurposing, the reimagining of how the media mix works. Right. The anime itself is no longer the collectible. It's no longer, it's used as a driver for the rest of the mix. It's not the main part. It's not the main part of the mix or its purpose has changed the way we look at it. It's not the big product. I know for manga and Kevin Pryke would say the same thing is definitely if you have an anime, it'll drive your manga and stuff like that. And hopefully it getting picked up uh, for localization, whether in English or in other languages. Right. So, but the, the, but then said anime has to be really special for it to be a product in and of itself, i.e. a feature film, i.e. Suzumi when it would come, when it comes out on video. On, on, a, on a physical media. Or I guess it has to have that creator, that name recognition creator that people will know and stuff like that. And people know Howie uh, Miyazaki, people know Ano, people know Makoto Shinkai and stuff like that. And I'm sure they know a lot of other people, right? But it's like I talked about with needing a scroll and needing to know who's actually making the stuff. How many people know how many of the shows they're watching on Crunchyroll like who those creators are and things like that. Would they know them if they went and they somehow made something original? Would they go to see that, right? Because how many of them do they know? Right. But I could be off base because people are still going to conventions and they're still filling uh, the thing to see English VAs and Japanese VAs and stuff like that. So I could be way off base. We always acknowledge that, right? Me and Kid Icarus as well. But that's but but then yeah you you probably hit something on the head uh, like I mean it's an interesting point we talked to Tony Kawa just now same creator as as Hayate, Hayate uh, the, the combat, combat butler. butler right 
We talked, we talk, uh, we, I've talked about my love of, uh, of, um, Kaguya-sama over the last number of months. But the creator has made waves with another title over the last week, Oshinoko. We're going to go there in a few minutes just to talk about that. But I do need to read more Fly Me to the Moon. <laughs> yeah, Fly Me to the Moon and Tony Kawa is interesting because so they're going to do a physical version through Shump Factory by uh, Anime Limited, but it makes you wonder... Will there be a physical then for the second season, which is started streaming on Crunchyroll now? So it's going to be an interesting future to see where it goes. Right. Well, how many will they drip feed to other publishers? How many will they drip feed through themselves? And, and, and how and, many masses will stick to streaming? Because it used to be you got a dub, it's likely going to get a physical release, but that's no longer a guarantee anymore. Well, it gets even more problematic when we talk about other parts of the media mix, right? We were talking – this entire discussion we've had over the last half hour, we've talked about it in terms of moving picture media, uh, like anime. But there's part, segments of this discussion we can, tra- we can put on, on light novels and graphic and, uh, and manga as well. There's a part of this, and that, that that's, and I think we have talked it, about with e novels, right? Uh, yes, e-novels, and manga, and, and what gets and, physical, what doesn't, and uh, that that leads to another discussion, another line of debate. Because I, I know we, in last episode we talked about Kodansha, and when I look back on that episode, uh, there's a part of me also thinking, okay, there might be titles that may not make it on this di- on said di- on the k-manga platform that we talked about last episode and that could be by design that could be at the request that could be at the request of the creator too there's a lot of creators out there who may not want this for their titles and we'll specifically Mori is one that hasn't allowed um yen press to put her stuff digitally and stuff like that that's only physical but there's some creators that i could see that you're right so and i i know we'll have that uh We'll have that discussion again, especially as uh, as uh, K-Manga comes out, right? When we start to know a little bit more about the apps or as, as the digital, as digital consumption of, of manga and graphic novels and uh, light novels, that's what I meant to say, continue a little bit. So I guess the, the last thing I was thinking of Mike is it's funny how for us way back when it's like we would I admit and I'm sure you would admit as well we would download the torrent would watch the Japanese we'd still watch the Japanese in the official release but one of the ways I always watched my dubs was I always watched it on the official release on the disc and stuff like that and so I always still did that but now I have to remind myself well it may never ever get there, so I probably should watch that at some point on the streaming and stuff like that. So it's a different experience for me on that end. Well, so I think others probably may never even see the Japanese. They may just go with the dub. I think Amy has said in the past she has watched and waited for a dub of certain series and gone that route. I think. I yeah, and you remember what I've said in the past. I when I watch a series, I often alternate between sub and dub. That's and maybe it's a very very weird way to be watching it. It's just that's just me because I want to have a sense of the way the voices 
were and how they're – because the, because the, the uh, casting is an interpretation as well. So I just find it interesting to see how the Japanese and, – and, and remember, I, I say this not knowing what the – not knowing Japanese myself, not really knowing it, if at all. And seeing and just having a sense of what the casting uh, the casting directors what their interpretation of the character was in making their casting decision, and then the same thing likewise in English, what the casting director was looking for and what their interpretation was, not to mention who was casted and how he or she or they went about it. So, yeah, as I said, this is like. It's it's another it's another part of the long discussion we always like to have. So, uh, anyone want to add anything before we uh, we move on? Because maybe we want to talk about a few other things before we go tonight. I think we bored them to tears, Mike. Yes, I think we did. Uh, did anyone fall asleep? Does anyone need coffee? <laughs> well, it's really just that this has been a trend that's been happening for a little while now. Uh, it started very slowly, I feel, with Funimation actually not doing English dubs for a select few titles and putting them out sub only. So not every so that was when Funimation finally started not doing dubs for every single thing they acquired. And now, yes, we're getting to the point where we're not even getting uh English Blu-ray releases for certain things. Or maybe it would happen like well down the road, but Probably not through them. It could be from somebody else. Who knows? I do feel like now, like we've been saying this for years, but like anime collecting is as niche as it's ever been. Like probably not since, I don't know, when when we were still buying DVD singles that it's been as, I think we're at that kind of niche point again. In a, in a certain way. Not in the exact same way, but in like a somewhat similar fashion. It kind of feels that way to me. And I just look at like how the anime collector subreddit group is much smaller than the manga collector subreddit, which now I think has... I think that's close to like a million people following that subreddit. And how the anime version is just a tiny fraction of that. But that just that lends my uh, lends it to my thinking. Well, the manga is no longer the product; it's the driver. It's. The, I think you were saying the anime, right? Is the, the, the anime for the is manga. no longer the product. Is no longer the main. That's product. how it's all. No, the the anime has always been a driver for the manga. That's how it's always been in North America. But it's it probably it's more pronounced than I I could ever recall it. It's cheaper per unit too. Yes, by and large. By and large. That's Odd not exception notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. Like cheaper per unit, like we, we, let, just to clarify. It's much easier to go to a, a chapters in Nago, Kinokuniya, Barnes and Noble to buy a book for ten dollars US or twelve dollars US. Because because or, or translated Canadian. into or translated into Canadian twenty thirteen Canadian. I was about to say twenty, but let's. Most, I was going to say twenty is more likely. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, for for like 
most other stuff now it's closer to 20 canadian now I look, but, at, I look at i look at prices for volumes of b stars uh-huh. yeah or they're 18 canadian that's how shitty our exchange rate is but oh you know to do that then to buy like 50 60 dollars and spending that on like a complete show mm-hmm. or in half a show sometimes because it's because it's, it's still done by cores yeah. on its first release more often than not mm. anyway okay but uh let's you know you as i said with that with everything else we talk about <laughs> we're coming to this again at some point when we see it and uh, there'll be another story that uh sparks another version of this debate or at least uh more arguments in this and i'm all for it because that's what keeps us going all right. Before I we go, think uh, that you can oh. see evidence of this. Just if you look at Anime North, um, you know, when I first started going in, what was it, 2004 or five or something, um, and then the subsequent years, like up until probably 2010, um, the amount of, you know, places even focusing on DVDs, not to mention selling them, was astronomical. Like it seemed like it took up half the... Um, dealer's room floor and you had you know the big companies that show up every so often with Funimation Um, you had you know entire you know Starstruck entertainment where you know most of their um, you know they had so much variety so much stock from you know mostly contemporary stuff but you know they had a fairly robust inventory and you know as of the last couple years Anime North has run in person it's difficult to find, you know, physical media, uh, you know, video media outside of the Nominoichi. Um, it's, you know, it's there, but it's not, it's not something people care about unless they're <clears throat> ordering it from discotheque or online. I agree. Uh, last year, much harder to find anime amongst those dealers. Manga was still pretty okay. Not as many as before, but there were still some. Yeah, anime, not nearly as much. And Interesting, too. Video games is still there, and I think they've had a few extra dealers uh, pop in that way, too. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting seeing the video game mix in there, too. Like just no, the, dedicated the, to dominant, the dominant merch that fans will buy now are figures and statues. And yeah, we saw a lot of those. We saw plushes. We saw different merch. But we do still see the manga, like Beguiling. And I think even Harry T is still doing a lot of manga to get rid of their surplus, as you said. But Beguiling is sure went all in for the last year. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Pretty sure Harry T was not there last year. They had a falling out. Oh, because they there, had the back page, remember? <laughs> yes. Um, through, a different, through a different aspect of the con. Yes, we're the official podcast of Anime North. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess, I guess you learn something every day, but yeah, no, Beguiling at least is still uh, there because I know they take a lot of their manga stock and take it there because they get the sales, I'm sure. And their cheap overstock um, art books. Yeah. Well, we, as I said, we can just go on and on about it. So, and I know we'll talk a little bit more Anime North. We're, there's a still a lot of stuff we still want to bring up uh, before we're done tonight. But uh, okay, let's. Uh, but let's uh, quickly move on. Okay, 
where do you want to go? Do you want to do we want to talk about the dog piling on the first screen, uh, first test screening of the one piece live action? We're going to talk about a little live action for a couple minutes. Or do you want to talk about the Drops of God tra- trailer? Which order? Where do you um, want to go first? We can do one piece first and then head to Drops of God second. Okay, let's do yeah. that. Okay, because you're the one who brought this one up, Mo. It's we can get much screen. higher than this, and, I assure you. And it was awesome. In a I need to watch this. In a facetious sense. I'll be right back. Yeah. I oh, mean, you want to watch the trailer? Okay. It, it is just a test screening, so, you know, anything can go so forth i mean i don't know it's i i i, I, mean, I don't think i don't think that the reaction to when it first comes out because there's no trailer that's out yet there's no nothing we haven't seen anything right so this is one small test screening but i feel like uh, it can't be good news right i feel like it's going to come out this, this this uh this fall and it's going to be like not get the best reception man i want Did to you? know who the test audience was though because people are complaining about um, mostly the CGI, correct? Correct. So if we have a general audience who, you know, doesn't understand or isn't willing to suspend their disbelief for the source material, um, from what I've seen of the sets, um, they are, you know, taking a bright cartoony approach to it. They aren't making a gritty, realistic One Piece um, series. They are making a live action One Piece. And They're making a live action audience, Yeah, and if the test audience wasn't aware of that, then, you know, it might seem like, oh, this is way too bright. Oh, this is way too silly. Oh, why is his arm stretching? That's dumb. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure if, you know, I mean, test audiences are routinely difficult to, to gauge. Um, but if it is actually terrible, it's just falling in line with what Japan is usually done with their live action adaptations (laughs) where it's better, like, you know, it's more accurate, um, depiction of the, the source material, but the CGI is terrible. I don't know why. I mean, Shin Godzilla is okay, but like I, and th- there are exceptions, but for the longest time, Japanese live action has had abysmal special effects and I, I, or, or specifically CGI. Practical effects are usually fine. Um, there's been exceptions, like again, Shin Godzilla, um, Parasite had a live action, right? I'm just trying to. Yep, go Parasite had live action. Around. I thought it was pretty decent. Yeah, that that affects for the the hand, um, you know fine not like oh, i think that's all the second one that's why i was confused or something mm. um but like you know not um was that the jccc um uh, film festival or something yeah um, the toronto yeah the toronto japanese film festival yeah yeah um i had seen the anime so i wasn't completely lost going into the sequel but um you know if you look at like full metal alchemist that's that's really bad cgi like you know there are like as bad as sort of routinely sort of cheesy and bad as it is like the dccw shows do better than a lot of you know theatrical um you know japanese anime adaptations like you know the flash and and you know superman and lois are better than things like full metal alchemist and arguably attack on titan big budget for attack on titan but still like something's off and the yeah, first one was a lot better that. than the second one for Attack on Titan. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, I I I've said this before, but the first Attack on Titan live action movie I think functions well as more of a horror film than than like a straight adaptation. And it was not a straight adaptation. I didn't expect it to be. I think they did get the reaction that I feel like people want it from it. Like it's kind of flawed, but I think it stands well on its own. I think the second movie goes in a much weirder direction, which I didn't think jived well with the first film. But they like the first also uses, um, you know, some practical effects, right? From what I've heard, I haven't mm, seen yes. it, but like it uses, you know, actors for the Titans in some scenes um, that are like superimposed, which is going to have a, you know, different effect than trying to make a mm. CGI. Yeah, and I also did watch the live-action Tokyo Ghoul, which I don't remember how much special effects was in that one, to be honest. So I can't can't confidently say how bad it looked, although I would say just in general, it was fine. I thought it was a decent adaptation. Yeah, you can have enjoyable adaptations with bad CGI, like the Gegege no Kitaro um, live-action movie. It is you know it's it's sort of pad cgi but it's you know a kid's manga essentially um you know i think the movie is aimed at an older audience but like you know it's fine for what it is like it's not it's not trying to be something you know immersive and you know realistic it's supposed to be you know a halfway between supernatural and gag manga yeah you know movie so like that works yeah it's they still have a ways to go i think it's slowly getting better and i do feel like budget does play a factor into this uh i'm trying to think i actually did watch shin ultraman i was about to ask you did see that at the jccc yes uh i think because it has a bit of a campy feel to it that the cgi kind of works uh i also think it was a little better than previous movies that i've seen with cgi in it uh interesting take on ultraman but i don't claim to uh be too knowledgeable on the original ultraman source material as well Hmm. but very entertaining in some aspects okay so it's just sometimes there's a no-win situation i I mean Yeah, I think there was. There's always like when I when you talk about the article, Mo, and as Amy elaborates, there's a certain bias. I think as somebody is going to be pre like, there's two parts to this. I think to me, one, no matter what, no matter how hard you try, there's somebody who will always say it's going to be bad or will not even give it a chance, give a live action a chance, no matter how good it is. Yeah, it's ninety three percent of anime fandom. Yeah, you're, you're you're basically starting behind the eight ball on this one, no matter what, no matter how good it is, no matter how spectacular it is. Like there's 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 discord about saying how Oda said it's good, but then again, like did he? I mean, like he's he's being paid, I guess, or he got some kind of fee or whatnot. So is his word even trustable? Which which then goes into a whole other thing about like he's the creator. I mean, but then it's 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 stupid. But it's you, I I see what you're saying, Mike. And then what's the other bit? Okay, yeah, pre uh, under uh, your the what's what's the test audience also expecting, right? How much do they know? It's kind of like 
Okay, what, what, what do they know coming into the recording? Do they know what do they know about the, any possible previous previous source material? It's kind of like saying uh, pulling jurors for a Trump trial and asking them how much do you know already? And like, are they expecting a Marvel movie out of this? Are they expecting you know a Star Wars movie level of polish? Um, you know what? You know what do they know? Or if they are anime fans, they're not going to be easily pleased because they're gonna you know see how campy it might be. Um, yeah, I mean, it, this, this, like, this could this be terrible. Feels- it's it still could be a completely awful you know it looks like it's from you know the early 2000s like i'm i'm not you know trying to defend something i haven't seen um but you know i'll even defend the mario movie which i trashed right like you know um if i need to like there are always you know in my opinion like you know you can find good in almost anything but like you know we don't know yet like it's it's such like an early thing and you know it might be terrible but we'll see okay sorry i just just want to jump in real quick uh for the everyone what are the chances of this being canceled for a season hi you stated plausible you you stated anyway mo that you kind of hope that so it just doesn't like it, it so that we can so that uh, at least uh, the Cowboy Bebop attempt a year and a half. I have to say because Fossies, Cowboy Fossies, Bebop, Fossies. how long ago oh. was that first One Piece, which has built its fandom and has quite a bit. So it's possible it could get a second season, but still possible it could be canceled, as you said. But it has a better chance than Bebop, I think, especially mm-hmm. when you think, what was it? The One Piece Red movie. Didn't that sponsor like a, college, a U.S. college bowl game or something like that? And they went through and placated everything across like the stadium or whatever that was kind of nuts but okay but uh, but then again uh, then again if jimmy kimmel's able to get sponsorship sure okay can i uh, backtrack just for a couple seconds didn't we sort like 20 years before uh when we started doing major movie adaptations of comic books like even predating the mcu I was I I think Batman by the way the uh, the late 80s Batman with Michael Keaton and all that stuff On the topic of okay where are we in the development of this of these attempts of these live action attempts we've seen versions of this before I'm thinking and it took decades literally decades for it's say in the in the comic book realm, in the Western comic book realm, to get there. Well, granted, well, we can talk about the type of material, and that that's another part of the discussion. But we're kind of in early, we're still in relatively early days here when it comes to Western adaptations of anime and manga, Japanese anime and manga, which we know there's a mar- uh, that there's at least if not the biggest market a very very loyal market a very very dedicated market a very very big enough market where there's enough money i guess it depends how they want to go how close they want to be to that so uh source material and one piece i think is going to be closer skewing that way compared to some of the others where they it's- decide to take the source material but then i guess americanize it so to speak and we've seen that has happened to Death Note. We also probably see that that's going to happen to your name, how they're going to retool that. 
when you look at you know American um, superhero comics and their adaptions, though, um, there was kind of a lull, right? Like you know you you mentioned like you know how you know that took so long, but you know this started in what was it like the fifties with Captain Marvel, and then you know you had um, you know Superman um, in the seventies. Um, I think it was the seventies. Um, and then, okay. Um, and then, you know, Batman into um, the late eighties. But if you look at, you know, those early Superman movies, they were, you know, kind of um, at least, you know, the first one, you know, their Superman isn't fighting Brainiac. He's not fighting dark side. He's not fighting even something like parasite, you know, he's fighting a man or, you know, he's fighting at the, you know, on the later end, just another version of him. He's not, you know, they're not doing anything that would have required or, you know, made good use of CG. Um, And even with Batman, you know, again, he's not fighting Clayface. He's fighting the Joker, you know, he's fighting, you know, the Riddler. Um, So, you know, it took a while um, after those to, you know, try to get good um, ones that could make use of, um, you know, digital special effects Um, and, you know, there was kind of a lull, but, you know, really in the grand scheme of things, it, you know, it wasn't that long, like how long between, you know, all the different Batman movies. And then you had Spider-Man and X-Men, like MCU definitely popularized and made it like a huge thing, but it, excuse me, um, but it never really went away. Like since like the fifties, like, you know, there were gaps, um, but it's, you know, it's kept trying and I think it's going to be sort of a litmus test to see if anime keeps trying, like the Hollywood adaptations of it, um, because, you know, there is a history there. It's a very mixed history. Um, you know, Mother's yeah. Basement recently put out like a review of all of them. Um, so um, if you want to check out his channel, um, you know, there's, you know, a great sort of review of, you know, and analyzing like how good were these adaptions. Um but they've been happening for a while now. Well, and you probably hit, hit a, a fair point, a fair point on the head. Technology has changed. A lot, uh, like it isn't the only, like there's a lot of th- other aspects that have just evolved over time. So. And I think so much of it is just effort that, you know, the most effort I think that's gone into things have been the most successful of the adaptations, which, you know, I haven't, I've only seen the trailers, but in my opinion, they are um, with Alita Battle Angel. um, And then a movie I have seen with Speed Racer, like there's heart, there's interest by the people um, creating it. And there is, you know, a fair degree of effort and money um, versus some of the weaker adaptations, they're missing something. Um, you know, and it, it's different for every um, adaptation. So yeah, that's that's probably it. Uh, it's just there's difference and and figuring out audiences. Like remember the, you know, again, you could always say they're lying or being paid off, but the creators of Death Note liked the Netflix, you know, show movie thing, right? Like, um, you know, there's different tastes, and you know, sometimes well, people just misjudge what the audience wants or what people are going to react to mm-hmm. uh, but the but the and yeah aside from the possible paying off of creators sometimes what they think like let's pay attention to what they say 
Isn't it worth paying attention? It's their baby. Aren't they allowed to make an opinion? Aren't they allowed to say, okay, it might have been a disaster, but I enjoyed it anyway? But just a thought. On the topic, though, and can we now start to move on? It's safe to move on now? Just to the next uh, next little topic we want to talk about? On the topic of uh, changing things up slightly, did anyone check out the Drops of God trailer that from uh, that'll debut on Apple TV soon? I gotta say, Apple TV has been doing a really good job with what they're releasing. Uh, I think that they're finally starting to to find their footing in regards to the content they're making. Uh, they have a bunch of awesome TV shows and movies. I know the Tetris movie came out recently; that was pretty cool. And they got this one, and I'm like, this is uh, this is pretty dope. It's pretty good. Based on the trailers, they definitely make you want to go to their platform to I watch mean, that's their a, content, that's... right? Like the Tetris movie definitely gave away the whole movie. This one. I don't think it gave away everything, but it definitely makes us want to watch more. I found it interesting. I know that they made some, inter- they took uh, some liberties, a couple of different interpretations. They re- reimagined one character into a French woman. One of the, the one of the main characters in, into now a French French woman. The main character is now thank you a French woman. So Shizuku Kanzaki is now a Camille. Thank you. And they kept the rival slash uh adoptive brother uh a japanese male mm-hmm. so the question though i wondered too is when i was I watching that trailer there seems to be a steamy relationship happening in there and i'm like i don't think i remember reading that but i guess i'm thinking wrong that did not happen in i feel like it's Burkle like put that out. Me, you know what i mean it feels like it's to get viewers i was watching and i'm like huh but it actually, I, I I watched it and not knowing anything about Drops of God, knowing very little about Drops of God. And I get the feeling I'm leading myself to be slammed quite a bit on it. It, it just looked kind of interesting. But I'm really curious to see what more, like uh, Kevin already stated, he he's a fan. And I know a few others who are fans of Drops of God. I'm really curious to hear how they feel about this. I'm a somewhat more reluctant fan. Uh, have Now that I've uh, heard things about Shin Kibayashi that I will not talk about on this podcast, but uh, it's intriguing in that uh, this is a France-Japan co-production, which is why you have these two different... Uh, aspects colliding with each other mm-hmm. I guess it's very different for us too as an english speaker because we're going to be watching subtitles for two different languages that that's right yeah. not be native to right yeah for some it, people which is it's kind of this interesting as we talked about with stream before this global audience to watch things they never would have had a chance to before it's nice to see those yeah, collaborations that we never got to see before this would right? be between other countries on, on many different levels in that sense so yeah it, it looks clear it'll be in two different languages but not necessarily the languages of a lot of its target audience i'm curious with that one random makeout session if uh if they changed miyabi 
who is uh, Shizuku's sommelier friend in the manga. Maybe they changed her into that male. You kind of, It's a little hard to see who that male is uh, in that kissing scene mm-hmm. in the trailer. And scene. You know what? The but, odd thing I'm thinking of, too, is what's the rating on this? Because I was laughing to ourselves on the Tetris movie trailer because the Tetris movie is rated R. And what? It's, it's rated R for the Tetris movie. And we're thinking how much cursing, car chases, violence, all this stuff they had to add to just. The story was already crazy as it was and for the Tetris story Apple... to get from Russia. But then they added so much more onto it. And they had the creator of Tetris and then Hank Rogers and all that. They were involved and they were just like, go ham. We don't care. And I, I have to say that their kids must have just been really dead. That's what you 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 you, you want to go with that. If all these car chases and everything, they probably made them look cooler than they ever imagined in their life. And that's probably why you know what? they'll just have fun with it. Make it so spectacular that people just need to see what the hell is going on in this movie i'm for it uh, yeah i I think i'm for it too i and i and i'm not saying but when i saw that steamy kissing scene stuff like that and i think about drops a guy i'm like i think they're going for a more mature audience or this hbo audience you know i mean like like a type of audience and that's kind of weird because hasn't apple had a history of being averse to a and R rating, R ratings. I mean, they, they were they they had they were weren't they more into wanting to be a little bit more PG? I could be wrong. I mean, not with their new streaming service. I mean, one of their some of their greater shows are, I wouldn't say for children, right? I mean, Severance is pretty great, not for children. Ted Lasso is kind of a children's show in, in a way, but yeah, I, I, I see what you mean, Mike. Yeah, I mean that's just I, I, of course things change, but. That's just what I remember. I was thinking, yeah, the manga side stuff like that. Some things that kind of got caught in the crosshairs, so to speak, and even on Amazon, right? And then you see the streaming sides and stuff, and they're going for this other malls. Like, hmm. Mm-hmm. So going back to though to the discussion about to what we talked about in the one piece uh, bit just a few minutes ago, like th- like there isn't too much in the way of special effects. There isn't too much of uh, you don't have to get too fancy with it with a C, any CG if at all. Yep. Some people said this was like like if you're gonna do like maybe maybe it's like it's the slice of life type. Not to say this is slice of life, but but something that doesn't like the slice of life type genres that lend itself better to live actions of the silk, and you can probably more safely make those attempts. You could do without, without some mystery. Because could do some mystery because I think that's well, what they tried to do with Drops of God. Add some mystery. Add some sexiness. They'll probably still have the wine in there, but I think the one people hoped would be there before it and would have been a good uh, idea to do was Monster, and that just got put into development hell. And I think HBO was involved in that one too. Mm-hmm. Could have added it to Crunchyroll if they still had that. Monster would be great. If I mean. A live action monster would be amazing. I'm still more for you because you nope. could do it. All you just need is the right actors, and then you just got to act it out. Well, it's uh, 
Well, and I nice. think that's similar to Drops of God. You just need to act it out. You don't have to overthink uh, what you're presenting on screen, right? As you well, said. I think it, part, it's also partly just the audience. Once again, the audience and their expectations as well. And maybe it's just the sheer size. One Piece is a huge, could is a potentially huge audience that you're potentially going to disappoint because of how they feel about it, right? And I guess with Drops of God, you can find an untapped audience you never know never knew you had right and well they and then also, maybe they'll check out the source that, material yeah. online digitally and then it's, its audience one may not be as big likely isn't but then you know it, this this might be just the nature of the material makes it a little easier so you could find your wins a bunch of ways it's just that that one of the key wins may not be money so has and, anyone and, actually watched drops of god since it dropped on friday i believe they i well i don't have an apple subscription so sorry but you know these type of things are out there to entice people to at least take in the month for seven bucks is it is it seven dollars a month still canadian i think it's eight eight okay cool seven seven american cool honestly i do appreciate how apple plus is doing the annual subscriptions not enough services do that I just wish they had, you know, a larger back catalog to justify. Well, you, you knew they wouldn't have much of a catalog when they insisted on doing their own stuff when they started true, this service. True, true. So, so it's going to take time for them scratch. to build up the uh, catalog as they yeah, get the subscribers, I guess. Yeah, since they're doing everything from scratch. But I applaud them for the efforts because you see a lot of stuff that, that they've done and it's come out to a lot of critical acclaim. So you give them a little credit. There looks to be a lot of high quality content. Like when they're going in, they're really going in to make something that is high quality, right? Yeah. So just to be fair to them, it's just that from my standpoint, uh, who, you know, one has limited dollars to spend and two limited time to enjoy. Uh, It's just on the outside looking in at this point. You just have to have, Find a friend, right, Mike? Someone that has it and asks nicely. That's all. We well, can yeah. Do. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can still share passwords with uh, Apple TV Plus, right? Oh, I was going to say maybe visit them and have a viewing party, but I guess if that's possible, you can do that too. Oh, that too. Yeah. Okay. So, well, if I if I have a subscription, I'll let you. I'll let you know, Kevin. Maybe you can come and watch. Sure. Okay. All right, one last thing, and then we'll get to the uh, to the calendar this week, which will, of course, be outdated by the time this episode gets out. What the hell is with Oshinoko? Lots of stuff. So that I mean, one was the creator of uh, Scum's Wish and then the creator of, as you said, Kaguya-sama getting together during the pandemic and creating, I don't know what you want to say, I guess... And inside look of what idols are really like, even though it's over the top, I guess. Oh, the manga has been very popular in the Scanlation community. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think, Kevin, was it on Manga Plus immediately or did it take some time to get on there? Because I thought it it took some time. It took some time. It was not up there right away. See, it's just so it's this is such an interesting little story. Just. Like you see this in terms of, I'm sure you the story itself. I'm seeing this in terms of what it's done in the fandom. 
and maybe to some of the business because the anime debuted, it debuted to a lot of, I don't know if acclaim is word, but certainly buzz. Yes, because it was a 90 minute episode and this was done because with how that first volume is structured and how it the series plays out from then on out, you needed the audience to see that entire thing to for it to really hit hard. Because if you split that in three episodes, you lose a lot of that impact. Like you could easily lose people by the time that episode three would have turned out. But yeah. you figure it was a good uh, idea yeah. of, as they say, they had to find the broadcaster that would give them 90 minutes. And I guess it already had so much buzz that they would be willing to do that. So that's 90 minute first episode. And then the other 10 episodes are regular uh, episodes because it's, I think a 90, we've seen 60 minutes, but 90 is very rare. I feel maybe, but it's just that it's not on like the concept of doing long, long pilots is not, is not unprecedented. Right. But I'll be at, I'll be at 90 instead of 60. But in this case, it was a must. Yeah, but but then there's no I, I the whole idea that they had to that they did it anyway. Just I I, I couldn't say I disagreed with or you know uh, we, it hasn't been done. I mean, you see, you see, like say sitcoms do back to back episodes in their in their in their debut. You see episode you de, you see you see um one hour dramas on uh, on Western television do back to back nights at the very least if not a full two hours, right? To debut themselves. So mm-hmm. the idea, so the idea that Oshinoko debuted like this, okay, little tweak on the concept that we knew before, but not unheard of overall. What, what has, what grabs my attention about this story is what service it's on. Cause it's not on Crunchyroll. Like the single most buzzed anime, one that's rated even better than than Full Metal Alchemist, is on High Dive. That's Funny thing is, do you want to know where the manga is, Mike? In what sense? It's not where you think it is either. In what sense? Okay, we'll go Yen on. Press has it. Yeah, it's Yen Press, not Viz. So Yen Press has it and started releasing it the beginning, I think, of this year. So, it started in February, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So once again, once again, like this is one of the like this has become the most hyped title in some time, and but it's I not where you thought it would be. The tie, well, I think, there is the Scum Wish, the creator of that. Yes. For them, Scum's Wish went to Yen Press, and guess what? Scum's Wish, the anime. It was on Anime Strike on Amazon, but then went to High Dive and stuff like that. So I feel that's how it kind of connects there in a way, somehow. That, that's There's a possibility friend. that, uh, well, we will never, perhaps we'll never truly know, but uh, there's a chance that Viz refused and they thought it was too weird. And so Yen Press sn- snapped it up and because. Uh, Probably the rest of the companies possibly bid on it, and yeah, impressed one out. 
It could have just been a general bid and then Yen Press went out. And yes, it could very well be that they could have asked, uh, they could have negotiated directly with uh, Yokoyari Mango, which I kind of doubt, actually. But, well, no, it was probably someone else, but it's like... But there's because there's that pre-existing uh, license, could have played a factor too, but yeah, who knows? Well, it just gives you the connections, I guess, right? Nothing wrong with getting the connections. But you know, I, you're, in role, you're in their role, you're in said Rolodex already. Somebody had the had the number, and maybe that's where it starts. But it's interesting, Mike. You said that, and so on High Dive. But High Dive actually sent out, I guess, a press release or a story this week, and it's like obviously since the second episode. But they said it has become the streaming service's number one series launch in the streamer's history last week. And the series ranking is based on number of views in the first week since it streamed. And it said it shattered all trial starts records on High Dive, which means people actually started a trial to watch this show, which is quite something for them, especially given what they usually get is they get mm -hmm. slim pickings, as we know. And they have gotten some good ones that we may like, like they did get Yuritsa Yatsura, but I don't think a lot of people are going to High Dive to watch Yuritsa Yatsura, unfortunately. But people could be going to High Dive for this, right? And then maybe they'll check out a few other series, right? Well, maybe they'll have they'll at least buy a subscription to watch it all through. And they have gotten more mature content and stuff like that. And this one, given what Scum's wish, and uh, not so much Kaguya-sama, but you can see some of Scum wish, some of that shine through in this because there are more mature elements and stuff like that and it can be more fantastical but it's still there with uh, the look at the idol and then someone killing the doctor and then his patient dying and then both of them getting reincarnated as basically her babies and then the twist at the end of episode one Lots, and then well, time yeah. skipping forward so there's a lot that they normally don't do in, uh, I guess, with idols and manga and anime and stuff like that. So it it feels like, obviously, you can follow the plot line, and it seems pretty standard, but it isn't standard in the same way, right? Because usually they don't go that uh, more gritty with this type of uh, storyline with idols and that. Yeah. Or usually bring them over, right? So. Mm-hmm. Just, just a little interesting nugget to start to as we start to wind down tonight just that okay let's do the let's do the community calendar before we go tonight tcaf is next weekend i know that is there something to mention about tcaf that you uh that kevin james uh, yeah uh june mayazuki's coming okay uh she is the creator of after the rain and uh, kowloon generic romance so she'll be doing a couple of panels on Saturday then at the Japan Foundation. Oh, at the Japan Foundation. Okay. And then yes. a signing after the second panel and then a signing on Sunday uh, at TCAF in the morning. But it's nice to see that we still have some manga careers coming over uh, to TCAF and stuff like that. And it'll be interesting. Well, it'll be my first year back, so it'll be interesting to see how many people uh, show up as you said, Kevin, so I'm hoping I can get into the uh, autograph line for the Sunday morning, not too early. You know what I mean? I'm thinking of uh, the other careers where we had to go like way early, like mm -hmm. line up at 4 a.m. in the morning early. 
like how we almost didn't get um, Inyo Asano's autograph or how we didn't get Junji Ito's autograph. So I'm honestly not that upset with Junji Ito, to be honest. So out of interest for uh, last year, since you were there, Kevin, how long were you there before you got the autograph of the career they had last year? So, uh, so last year's guest was Akane Torikai, who did Sensei's Pious Lie. And sh- that was released by Kodansha last year. Her line was not very long overall. So you could get there at the beginning and you'd be able to have an autograph in Sears. So hopefully it will so. be similar, but we'll see how it goes, right? Yeah, it didn't take too, too long. Like I would say uh, I was like partway through the line. Like I think I was in and out in, within half an hour. Uh, it was nice because uh, you were able to uh, talk with her a little bit through uh, through the translator. Uh, translator is usually Jocelyn Allen. I think Jocelyn Allen is uh, going to be there again, it sounds like, and she'll be there for the panels and probably there uh, for the autograph line. But she's been really good to TCAP, too. So mm-hmm. That's good. She's most likely going to be there, I would assume. Uh, and then... But I guess it's because Asano and uh, Ito, for both of them, they're just so big that it kind of was an outlier compared to what we were used to. So it's like, I was just yeah. thinking, hopefully we can just go at a normal time and be able to get in line. Yeah, I'm curious how it'll be. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think it'll be like nearly as big. Like, yeah, because I feel like even back then, like, yeah, it was only ever those two that it really became a concern to get an autograph when it came to the Japanese manga creators. Because even when uh, I thought, you know, I thought it would have been a slightly bigger line with, say, like Ayakano or or Konami Konata, but maybe that's just, or even actually, who knows, right? Like back then, I don't think manga was as big. Like Rec Room the Rose King wasn't as big in the case of Ayakano because there was no anime for it at the time. Um, I actually did not get Akira Kawa's autograph, the the duo behind the Zelda manga. So I, I don't know how long or short that line was. They were there next to um, Ano and stuff like that uh, as well. Because Mo- Ano was Ono, there, yeah. his wife was there, and they were there yep. too. So, Well, you know, Moyoko Ano was the guest. And yes, the husband tagged along too. <laughs> people, actually, people were very respectful, I got to say. People waved at him, and that was it. So I was actually very pleased that everyone was respectful. One of my friends, like, shook his hand and everything. <laughs> I oh, remember. I didn't. I, I'm guessing that, that that was not a good thing. But anyway, well, I don't think Ono minded much. Because uh, he was I, there I don't, to support I, his see, wife, right? Then, so back then, I didn't really know Ono's work that much. Like, I still hadn't watched much of Evangelion, uh, and you know, never, never really fully watched Wings of Oniamis or Gunbuster and all that stuff. I, I just gave him the head nod. But uh, I'm trying to think that year, I have to say, like in general, that was such a magical year when it came to uh, anime directors coming to Toronto because uh, Mamoru Oshu was in Toronto that year. Who else was there that year? Frig. Mm-hmm. 
We can keep going. I'm going to look this. I, I, I hate how I forget his name because I like his movies better than uh, Miyazaki's half the time. <laughs> but thinking uh, away from that, Kevin, the only other thing uh, manga-wise on uh, TCAF, uh, I believe Dempa and Ed Chavez are going to be there with a table. Yes. If you want to check out uh, some quality manga from Dempa. So they'll be there uh, with a table on Saturday, Sunday. Oh God! Then, yeah, like I cannot believe I forgot Isao Takahata's name because <laughs> he was there for, during uh, TIFF okay. for Princess Kaguya when that came out that year. Yeah, and also, then yeah. Uh, as Mo had put uh, in the chat, it's like there is the in person. You can buy some stuff and check out some tables of some different comics and different art yes. and stuff like that, which is great to see. It's all going to be at Toronto Reference Library. They also have the digital uh, shop. For those, I guess, who couldn't uh, be there in person, which is great to see. And you can check that out and order from there. And it seems that during the week, this week, unfortunately, most people may not be able to see it. But on YouTube, they're going to have some panels and stuff like that there online. And I can't remember some panels I think they've done before in the hybrid where they save them to their YouTube but it all depends on the person if they want it to be saved, I guess. So we'll see yeah. how that goes. Okay. Right. And then, uh, last digital, thing, and then we'll move on. I was just going to say the digital market's open. It's going to be open for a little while. A lot of people are in there. You guys should check it out. Good friend of mine's uh, got a bunch of books there as well. Uh, hopefully Mike, Mike will add the link in the description. So I um, Is that the one you just uh, gave me, gave us? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And yeah, it's and yeah just as a quick aside. And stickers and that's the great stuff. <laughs> Yeah, as a quick aside, it's all, all the indie or smaller uh, publishers will go there, and including the ones that will do both uh, indie or slash independent comics and manga. So, like, Drawn Quarterly usually comes every year. Last Gasp usually comes. Uh, I know Koyama Press is usually there. So and so Glacier on. Uh, Press is going to be there, too. Glacier Bay? Glacier Bay, yes, they will be there. Okay, okay. Okay. But it's interesting because I've talked to people and they said it's just as big or maybe a bit bigger, and this was a few years before the pandemic, than was it Small Press uh, Expo or something like that in the States, which was kind of interesting to hear a similar type of event where it's looking at art and small indie and stuff like that. And it'll be interesting going forward to see how it goes because as I told you, Kevin, it looks like they're base of operations is just going to be the Toronto reference library and that the only two events outside are going to be at the Japan foundation and maybe a few other uh, odd spots, but they used to have like things at the sock temple, some of the local bars and things like that for panels. Mm. And they used to have, I'm not sure if the zines, they used to be at Cumberland uh, Terrence, but I'm not sure if some of the zines are going to be there or not. Hopefully they are because it's fun to look at, different artwork and different vibe that the zines give. I know Toronto hand eye coordination that does experimental video games and brings some of those creators over. Hand and eye society. They're here this year. Oh, sorry. That's probably Amy is better. Sorry, Amy. I know my, I'm, I'm totally off anyway. Anyway, I think that the size and impact of TCAF, um, you know, despite the fact that, um, you know, uh, Kevin and James have been talking about it for a while, I think, you know, that just goes to show the size and impact of it. Like, I could probably, you know, talk for a half an hour about the whole, you know, 
other side of it, which is, you know, all of the indie um, and independent creators. But I know Mike would, you know, get angry at that point. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but the fact that, like, you know, there's in, an entire world to TCAF that's, you know, completely separated from, you know, the, you know, bigger name guests like... Um, you know, there are, you know, less tutorials and, you know, workshops these days, but, um, you know, that's still a factor of it. Um, the, you know, all those, you know, sort of cute um, little four panel or one panel comics you see on uh, Tumblr or Twitter, um, false knees, so the funny bird comics, um, you know, which some of which have become meme formats, um, you know, that artist was there last year. Um, but yeah, mm. I know Mike is probably tired, so I will. But TCAF is huge. Mo touched on it a little well, bit, but we got and we got to show it some love. It's happening next weekend. I, yeah. I, I grant I've never been to it, but you guys talk about it so lovingly, and I want to give a couple minutes to that. Quick aside, Amy, do you know if they're still doing the educator slash librarian day on Friday, like they did in the I past? I believe they are doing the. Educator Day on Friday and stuff like that. Mm, okay. And they are doing portfolio reviews and stuff like that throughout the weekend. Oh. And so there are a lot of those still going on at the reference library. I just don't know if it's in the same capacity as they have had before. But they definitely do have the writing programming for educators and librarians and that. Okay. Mm. There's your I, I guess the key thing we should take away on that one, Mike, is free. TCAF is free. That is the biggest thing. Still free. That I can tell you. And it still amazes me. Always known that, but you have to emphasize it, right? (laughs) Well, let's talk about what isn't free. And and as I said, it's an endorsement. So if you have the time, I typically don't. That's why I've never gone. But if you have the time and the willingness, go check that out. But I think that's great too, though, Mike. the reason why I say free and a good light is it allows people to check out creators they may never have seen and to expose artists to people that may make a new fan. And that's, I think, the greatest compliment. Yes. Anyway, I go on. My Sorry. Favorite, my favorite TCAF memory, or, you know, last year at least, was running to an artist who was selling a book that um, I have a page in. So it was kind of neat seeing. Because <laughs> um, like my, you know, the the book I was part of um, was you a small press from, yeah. from, yeah, small press from Scotland. So, mm. you know, seeing it um, in person. So it was just another artist that happened to have, I guess, more, you know, ability to order multiple copies to sell. And, you know, I, I'm much more of a hobbyist, so it might might be that the artist is more of a, a career for um or them I, I forget um but you know it was um you know it was a really interesting you know it was a really you know surreal and fun experience and you know they were you know happy to you know meet someone else who was um part of that anthology as well yeah good way to put it and Okay, so let's let's just quickly move on. And I'm so sorry. I, I wish we could talk a little bit more TCAF. But we do have to do our perform our duties just quickly as a, as the Anime North official podcast. I don't always like saying that. I I I I'm I hold it's just weird to say that sometimes. But yes, Anime North is about a month away as well. And uh, the list has been compiling just uh, just to put that out there and we'll talk about it in the, in the week in the weeks to come and i know we'll do at least one more episode maybe two 
Um, Kevin and I do have tables at the Noma Noichi this year, and we'll be beside each other, which will nicely conflict. And if we're going to do a late night taping on Friday, I'll be in a rush to do it. And Kevin may not make it at all. I'll probably come like half, at least half an hour after you. Yeah. So we'll talk about that uh, before, like, as we get closer. Of note this week in the Anime North news, though, uh, the Japanese guest of honor has been announced. Or at least a Japanese guest has been announced. Let's call them the honor, honorary guest because everybody who goes, everybody who's announced should be looked at in, in, in very honorable guest and stuff like that. Yes. But it's okay, so, yeah, three uh, guests from a, one studio. Yeah. Oh, and, and yeah. Okay. And of course, and of course, the musical guests as well. Let's just, uh, let's just focus on those two for a couple of just quickly. So the one that was announced earlier this week, uh, Hitomi Miyazaki. Miko uh, Ikitani, Yoshihiro Watanabe from Studio Orange. James. Finally. Okay. Finally, we're getting production people to come. This is, it's, yeah, this it's is been a long time coming. We were hoping for that, but it's going to be interesting to pick their brains, especially with it's we talked of, about CG. This sounds like a it's very. One of, is one of them the um, one of the speakers who was at the online version, or was that a different Studio Orange representative? I don't recall. I, I can't recall. It, maybe it might have been different, but we'd have to go back and look. But if it was Yoshihiro Watanabe, he would have probably been involved. Uh, I know he does have a good grasp of English. He's fluent. So this is pro- probably who will be speaking most of the time. But this... I guess a lot of it has to do is they send the thing. They talk about Trigun Stampede and probably, I guess you could put B stars in there as well yes. because a lot of that has shown audiences that the Japanese can do some really nice CG animation and things like that and Quasi they have a long way to go too. but they're on the forefront compared to other examples we see. Mm-hmm. I was about to say this this sounds like a guest with more a lot more substance than I've seen in a while. Like I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, I always if a if a Japanese voice actor comes Boy, would I be interested sometimes. But this this sounds like this sounds like a lot of stake. Right? That that that's the impression I get just by reading uh just by my reaction when I hear about the about Studio Orange coming. So there's that. Uh, I, I know we'll 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 probably gush a little bit have a little bit more time to gush about that as we get a little closer to the day. That was announced uh three days ago. So on on Thursday, I believe. Mm-hmm. Revive said the prophet. Also, finally, we're getting musical acts again. Okay, so that's so- a weird one because they say they're coming for Anime North. They are doing a show in Toronto on the Thursday, but I'm not sure if they're just going to be there maybe for the Friday because I know at some point, I'm not, I think it's like the Sunday or something like that. They have to be in New York City to do another show. No, you're exactly. thinking of Man with a Mission. Oh, Man with the Mission. Oh, so Man on a that's mission, why. Yeah. And, and we actually mentioned that last time. So they're okay. the Man on a Mission is the uh, database and the Raise Your Flag guys. Well, okay. There was no wonder I've been so confused. I was looking at it and I'm like, is that the same band I'm thinking? Well, no, it's, it's good not. to know I'm totally so, on to lunch. Survive said the Prophet is more known for their Banana Fish theme songs and the theme songs for Vinland Saga. There you go. Yeah, that's what I thought because they had season two, the most recent uh, theme song. So second theme song, I believe they had. 
So yeah, that's did, why I was familiar, but I was thinking for those. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was because they said Japanese rock band. That was the other problem too. <laughs> well, it's something. And, uh, you know, uh, anime North is about a month away. It's taking shape quite in, in an interesting way. And yes, we are set to tape. We just don't know all our details yet. I'm sure they're curious in our details too. I'm guessing, I can't remember where they did, I guess they would do it in the North building then for if they're doing a concert and stuff like that, because that would make the most sense. You would think. The TCC. Yeah, of the TCC. Okay. So there's that. And uh, I, I know as, as, as we get closer to Anime North, I will, and we come back on and or have time to do episodes, we'll talk a little bit more. The other, the last thing on the uh, on the um, calendar this week, although you, if you had, didn't get tickets for it already, you probably won't get the chance to go. The Radwimps concert happens here in Toronto. This I mean, Mike, looks, that's, that's not true. If you were willing to shell out, well, no. yeah, I know you. You just show you just uh, showed me the StubHub link. I, I was going to say it's not as bad as the regular North American acts for StubHub, right? Or yeah. God. Are the lease tickets? I'm well, guessing also, you can get cheaper than the lease tickets, tickets, right? Yeah, okay, I get that. Uh, I was about to say uh, the line I was saying was five hundred bucks. At least you get two tickets. Um. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this is kind of one of our first full circle moments for the episode. We started talking talking about uh, watching Suzume, but and then we're about to end the episode talking about Radwimps. I, I really. Circle. Yeah, kind of full circle. I mean, there's a part of me still kicking myself for not trying to get a ticket sooner, even though I know now even it would have been hard to get time off to go to the concert because of work. And I didn't, I wasn't really aware. Uh, this is so bad, how badly out of the loop I am. I wasn't aware that the second concert was added for th- for the Thursday. And now that's sold out too, oh, pretty much. It's sold out now. Yeah, thank you. It was still available, I think, as of last week, but yeah, okay. it sold out. As none of, of right us now. are going. I would have been curious to go, but none of us are going. And good for good for Radwimps and good for the fans to let that they get to do this. Pro- hope uh, hope you play. Hope they play their standards and the stuff that people want to listen to going to that concert. But I just thought we'd put that out there. Radwimps will be in in Toronto in the coming week. I wonder uh, if any of their, because I know they delayed the tour, but I wonder if any of the others got a extra show and stuff like that, because obviously it's rare when you hear that, especially for other acts outside North America. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. nice for them, though. That they were able to add a second show? Yeah, and hopefully uh, it's not the scalpers. Hopefully uh, people will actually be in the seats, right? <laughs> well, yes, but... Uh, I. I... Maybe Radwim's already got their money. It's just maybe disproportionate. Anyway, as I said, uh, we I apologize to everybody, and this I'll, I'll say this sincerely. I'm not the joke about you know how many listeners we actually have because I know those that do listen do listen and do uh, do get do uh, like give a damn about the show. So I do want to apologize for the last month. Yeah, life happens. Uh, we're going to still keep trying and we'll try and churn out and come on and chat the best we could. Uh, it, it isn't just life happens and it hasn't just affected us doing this uh, show on a personal level. It's affected my own enjoyment of stuff. I had, I like, I've barely got through five volumes of B stars 
in the last month. Did you finish uh, Edge Runners? No, I, and I still haven't finished the last two episodes. I still want to continue watching the live action uh, Michael Sanchino Makanai san. I still want to finish watching watching a little bit more Blue Lock. I still want to read vo- uh, read a few more volumes of Kaguya Sama. Like there's so much on the list I on the to do list, and I just have not had time. There's a, there's even a Power Rangers movie that I'm curious about. But let's not go there. And right now, sitting in a bag, just to my left, are volumes six to ten of B Stars. I have not picked up volume six. I've had those for nearly three weeks. I have to renew those within the next 24 hours so I can uh, take some time to continue watching. As I said, life happens. So being able to pause to talk about the things we love to watch and read, much less reading and watching the stuff we love to watch and read is always a real treat. And you know, it's become a little bit more a little bit more complicated because for the five of us, it's tough to be able to sync our schedules just to be able to spend a couple hours just to chat. It's truth be told, we could have done this last Friday, but we but we gave a damn about watching Suzume instead of actually taping. And there's absolutely no regret obviously about making that choice. Although I think uh, I still think James regrets not being able to see it in IMAX, right, Mo? Well, after yeah. what Mo just said, you know what? As long as I got to see the movie, I was happy, and it was great to actually see it with other people, right? I mean, that's the best part, seeing it with other people. You're here. You're here. That Amy. was really the biggest part, is like yeah. seeing it with others. Yeah, and Amy, I hope you get the chance to see it uh, pretty soon. So, yeah, as I said, so once again, that was something to look forward to. We're, we'll talk a little bit more about Suzume at length. I know Kevin and I want to sit down and talk a little bit more about manga on a lot of different fronts for another spa- for another possible space heater chat. Lots of ideas. It's just that we have to give ourselves time to execute them. Mo I uh, Mo and I have been talking a little bit about it, about the so, uh, about our web stuff. Um I know that the that we're in the latter stages of uh, of the revamp of the website which may or may not be relevant. I, but let's but we're going to take some time to do that. And yeah, I haven't even had time to update the links and the social media stuff for for the show. And we'll just try to do it when as time permits. But as I said, life does happen. But it was just nice to spend a couple hours uh talking with all of you. Right guys. Mhm. So, but for now, Let's get back to life and maybe be able to enjoy the stuff we love to read and watch. And then we'll get back to you. But that's all we have for today. So once again, if you want to contact us, animeroundtable at gmail.com, at animeroundtable, animeroundtable.com, twitch.tv slash animeroundtable. One of the things, um, one of the plans, and I know we have to still execute again, one of the things we'd love to do, aside from the... um, live plays of uh, of any of the Yakuza games. One one thing I'd like to try and do is try and do our Space Eater chats live uh, on video. I'm not totally sure Kevin likes to be on camera, but... I don't mind. That's something we'd like to do in the near future. Uh, but uh, I, I can't make that guarantee for when we talk Suzume in a couple days. But once again, twitch.tv slash anime roundtable on our YouTube channel. 
As for the podcast side, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and the like, because good reviews will always help us. And always good reviews will help. Right, Kevin? I agree. Uh, please send us your five-star reviews. Thumbs up, etc. And yes, this is our we're, we haven't met quota for April. We hope to be able to meet it in within the next couple days. But regardless, please give us a subscribe, like, or follow on any of the platforms we're on so you guys can be notified whenever we put up something new. And shout out to Spotify. I know uh, we're not paid by them, but if you do have a Spotify account, we do still have our playlist, the, uh, uh, the Anime Roundtable playlist for a list of music based on things we mention on this show. The theme song is entitled Fubuki Snowstorm by Pico Misaki, which is the title track of her most recent album. Check out more of her music at PicoInfinity.com or on Facebook at PicoZenMusic. You could have listened to any anime podcast in the world, but you chose to listen to this one we appreciate it thanks for listening and join us again for another edition of the anime roundtable